When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I've got a bunch of videos on my channel. I've been doing them for umpteen years about the event, the New Age agenda, and blah, blah, blah. And it's the end of December, and, and you know, Sananda, the fake Jesus, always wants to mimic Jesus, so to him, pulling off the Bethlehem star and arriving on Christmas would be a big deal, so that's what they call the event, the arrival of the Ascended Masters. Why do they call them Ascended when they're descending? <laughs> I guess it's like a metaphorical thing. Ascended means higher knowledge. They're stupid. Not higher knowledge. As they descend to earth and fulfill Bible prophecy, they'll be away for. They call it the event. We call it the arrival of Satan. Whatever. This is Joseph L. Flatley and you are listening to Failed State Update. I have a pretty interesting guest for y'all today. Uh, his name's Tony Russo. I don't know why I said y'all, because I'm not a Southern fella by any stretch of the imagination. But anyways, I am bringing you Tony Russo, journalist and author of a couple books, including Dragged Into the Light... Truthers, Reptilians, Super Soldiers, and Death Inside an Online Cult. This is the story of Sherry Schreiner, a kind of social media cult leader. She got her start before social media with like really archaic blogs and an online radio show on Blog Talk Radio, which is really just like the online uh, radio host for just the craziest of the crazy. So... Sherry Schreiner, she preached the virtues of orgone energy, which Wilhelm Wright theorized in the earlier part of the previous century. You know, I, I think Wilhelm Reich was a, a brilliant man and had some really interesting ideas. But even geniuses, you have to wonder when they're driving around in trucks shooting orgone guns at UFOs. Um... I think more than anything, this highlights the fact that even brilliant people, brilliant minds can be kooks. And Sherry Schreiner wasn't a brilliant mind. She was a kook. And she took his ideas of orgone energy, which is this kind of like theoretical energy that supposedly exists in all life in the universe. To give life, to cure cancer is to increase orgone to restrict life, to get sick, to die, is to have a deficit of orgone. So, like all conspiracy theorists, Sherry took all these ideas just out of the ether. Her weird misunderstanding of orgone that she got from a, uh, you know, from several times removed from the source that she found on the internet, reptilian shapeshifters, you know, the New World Order conspiracy, which is a common conspiracy theory among the far-right uh, UFOs, end of the world was coming. 
she not only would go on the radio, go on, well, it's not radio, but go on Block Talk Radio on the internet and tell these stories, but she attracted a large crew of lonely, scared, fragile people, and two of her followers ended up dead. It's a fascinating book. It's a it's a look at, you know, what's happening on the internet, what's happening in rural America, happening all over the country, and... Talking to Tony was great because we were able to not only address kind of the bullet points of the story, but kind of get at the underlying cause of what's going on in America and why are people attracted to these bizarre beliefs. I was actually working on a different story about uh, what I what I like to think of as religious scammers, mm-hmm. which are, you know, I guess it's self-explanatory, but it's 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 people who use religion as a way to get money out of people. And uh, I was working actually on a very fascinating one. And this just lizard thing came across and uh, someone actually recommended to me. They said, you know, um, have you seen this Sherry Shriner lizard thing? And the idea is that they believe among countless other things that uh, people are that there are some people, the rich and powerful are possessed by reptiles to possessed by reptilian overlords who are really uh, demons who are, you know, not like uh, Satan demons, you know, um, descendants of Satan. And it was it was just so weird. And I'm like, this is just this is just a goofy story. You know, this is just about some kooky people. And, you know, the story, it didn't it didn't really appeal to me for that reason, because it just seemed it seemed too easy and too salacious to just point and laugh at these crazy, crazy people. Um, but once I got kind of into it, one of there were there were two major things that happened that kind of drove this book. The first one was I got in touch with some of uh, the friends of a young woman who had committed suicide. And that, you know, made the story more real to me. And then once I got the court tapes, because the the pitch for the story, I guess I guess that's how how I should start. The pitch for the story is there is this woman and her name is Sherry Schreiner and she runs this online forum. You know, it's on Facebook, it's on YouTube and she's attacking the new world order and she is a you know, uh, a religious, you know, zealot type person. And she had a bunch of followers. And one of them was a guy named Steve Minio. And Stephen um, was like one of her biggest fans and one of her most ardent uh, promoters. And at one point he fell in love with and moved to Pennsylvania with this woman named Barbara Rogers. And after a while, uh, Sherry decided that she was going to attack Barbara. Um, And so she sent Stephen a message, a text message that said, you know, Barbara is a reptile and she's going to destroy you. And this is the first woman that Stephen ever loved. Um, Probably the first, certainly the first person, woman she, he ever lived with. And, uh, he lost his mind and he started attacking her. And then two months later, you know, he died from a gunshot wound to the head and Barbara was charged with his murder. So it looked as if Sherry had actually predicted um, 
predicted the murder and that Barbara really was, you know, a reptile in disguise who was there to kill Stephen. And once once you looked into the once I looked into the backstory of it, it certainly wasn't that cut and dried. And, you know, Barbara isn't a reptile. And it also um, it also was more compelling because it was about just this this group of very desperate, lonely people looking for something to believe in. And the idea that people would take advantage of that was something that always fascinated me. You know, the conspiracy aspect of it is fascinating all on its own. But I think that, and and I'm, I, I don't know if you agree, but I, I think you might, I think that there's this kind of need to be important that is central to conspiracy thinking. You know, the government is after me. You know, they are launching black helicopters to follow me around. You know, in a world and, in, and on the internet where people just feel so, can feel so alienated, this puts you at the center of, you know, a world conspiracy. This is a fight to save the planet. And they really believe that. And they, and that's what, that's what interested me most about the story is this kind of quest to, you know, to demonstrate that they're, that this quest by people to demonstrate that they're important to God in the war of Armageddon. I think that's such a important point to make is, you know, conspiracy theories make people feel important or at least give them a sense of control. You know, it's like you could say you need to feel important, like it's this ego thing where you're like, you know, want to be a rock star, which I'm sure that's a large part of it. But there's just also this sense that in this world that makes us all vulnerable, I definitely got the sense that these were people that society had forgotten about or didn't give a shit about, you know, like mm. in the case of Sherry Shriner, Probably she drove people away because she was insufferable, but still, like, she doesn't come across as a powerful figure. She comes across really as kind of a pathetic figure. It is astounding. Like, the the hardest thing to communicate about this story and the thing that, you know, there have been um, – there was a documentary. There was a podcast. There was uh, an Oxygen series. Um, there's uh, actually – there's going to be another show coming out later this year or early next year about the thing. And what's baffling is that Sherry got this kind of traction. You know, she wasn't trading on her looks. She wasn't trading on, she wasn't trading on anything, but this low anger that she was able to tap into. And she was able to give people a reason for their anger. And they, worshipped her for that like i'm looking at her website now i'm looking at orgoneblasters.com and um one of several i guess and you would look at it it's laughable not just because it's like you know web 1.0 but like just because there's nothing there and you know i was listening to a little bit of her radio show this morning and it was she was just kind of rambling about what was on the news, like, and she doesn't even have a nice voice. It's not <laughs> yeah. like she's got, she's not a know? broadcaster by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. I've been thinking about this a lot, and I've spoken to cult experts, and kind of my understanding of a cult was, you know, you have this cult leader, they're manipulating you, they have these tactics, all of which are true, but 
what that leaves out is how is this able to happen over social media or over, you know, YouTube without any physical like connection. And what your book really drove home was cults can thrive online because the most important part isn't that coercion. It's just the meeting of these like lonely people or these desperate people. And that's what draws them together. And that's what holds them together. One of the things that I think is is underplayed is that we all, if if we're online, we are, are or we are in some way participating in it. You know, if you're on, you know, if if you participate in this crowdfunding, right, and you, I don't know, you you give money to help rebuild a town that was devastated by a flood, like you're into that, right, and. It, it is something that becomes a part of what you do. You participate in this movement. And since the internet is here, we don't have to go places to participate in a movement. But the, because they think of reptiles, we think they're crazy, but they're just participating in a movement as any of us, many of us do, and any of us would. You know, something to to connect with other people. And, you know, they had lots of infighting. It was, so it wasn't even necessarily that they were like-minded so much as they were bound by this other, I, I think anger, you know, I, I think that one of the funny things that, that, uh, I, I like to, to say when I talk about the book is I didn't mention QAnon in the book, uh, because I thought it was too convoluted to explain <laughs> <laughs> and because, you know, I was writing the book before everyone knew what QAnon was. And I actually had I stuck it in the uh, in the introduction just to just to kind of, you know, just to kind of ring that bell that, you know, this is something that has been brewing. You know, there is this anger and and it's important to say that it's a righteous anger, like your elected representatives don't care about you. You know, your priest or your minister doesn't really care about you. And I think that there's this underlying recognition that these people have of how broken our culture is. And, you know, in, in, if you try to sit it, if you try to sit down and figure out why our culture is broken and also you're not a very bright person, you can say, well, yeah, it's the devil and we have to go fight him. Who was Sherry Shriner and what was she teaching? Sherry Shriner was a housewife. You know, she was a, a and I, I, I half use that in the pejorative sense of the of the word uh, in the old timey, you know, women don't leave the house kind of sense of the word. You know, she had made an effort. She went to Liberty University, uh, Jerry Faldwell's uh, Faldwell's uh uh, center of operations for a couple of years. And, um, according to her, I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, she did go to, she did go to Liberty university. It's not, it's, this isn't conjecture, but according to her, you know, she, she left there and got a degree in journalism and she went to, uh, to Washington to try to, to try to break into the, uh, into the cable news business. And she didn't make it. And then she ended up in, you know, rural Ohio. And I mean, I live in rural America myself and there's not a lot of opportunity. 
Um, you are a doctor, you are a teacher, you are a cop, or you are a slave wage uh, earner. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's pretty much, there's not a lot of diversity. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of opportunity unless you make it. And it is very hard to make opportunities, you know, from your kitchen, you know, when you're broke. <laughs> and um, Sherry got a hold of these things that are called the Bible codes. Uh, and the Bible code is, uh, it's a debunked theory by a crank who recently died, which says that if you, you can look up things in the Bible uh, prophecy in the Bible, if you know how. And the the idea is, for instance, you could put Kennedy in to this Bible code program, and it would show you, you know, where Kennedy appeared in the Bible in ancient, um, you know, in, in Hebrew. And, and as it turned out, like some mathematicians looked at it, and they, any book of any length will have these kinds of coincidences, especially if you're looking for them. So Moby Dick is just as prophetic as the Bible using, if you use the Bible code type program on it. And it's kind of worth pointing out that nobody's predicting anything. They're going in after the fact. Yes, absolutely. So the guy that wrote the Bible code book, uh, Michael Drosnin was his name. Um, one of was one of the really interesting things about him is he didn't believe in God. He was an atheist, but he believed that the Bible was written by time traveling aliens. And what's really elegant about that description is, of course, we wouldn't know until after it happened, because we're not time traveling aliens. We can only see the significance once it happened. And then so we can look for other things and guess. But if we're wrong, you know, that just means that we misinterpreted. I mean, it's very, you know, it's very, you know, religion 101 kind of uh, kind of stuff. But Sherry would make prophecy and they would rarely come true. But on the occasion where she was right or close, um, it made people really, really believe. And as a matter of fact, the she would reverse engineer her prophecy, you know, when something would happen in the news, she would say, oh, remember, I talked about this back then. Um, and her uh, there are a couple of her, I believe, relatives, I'll, I'll say relatives and and I'll leave it at that, who are running her website still. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're going back and they're saying how Sherry predicted COVID and Sherry predicted this and Sherry predicted that. And it's fascinating for someone who's interested in how religious prophecy tends to work because – and this isn't a slam on, on Christians at all, but you know, a lot of the stories about Jesus were – and this is – again, this is just a uh, – it's just a historical fact. It's not. It's not a dig at at all. But a lot of the, a lot of the things that we think about Jesus were probably reverse engineered to match up with, um, with the prophecy of the Messiah that was in what we call the Old Testament now, you know. And not not everything, but you know where it fits. They pointed out that it fit, and it's no different. It it is. It's no different, and it's not changing. And that's where, you know, that's where I think that 
the kind of the kind of conspiracy thinking. I think we're all waiting for it to go away, and I don't I don't think it's gonna. You know, I was re- reading up on Sherry Schreiner before we spoke, and you know, the Washington Post is dropping the term reptilians like it's just a normal thing that doesn't need to be described or explained. And it's like I guess it doesn't anymore, which is bonkers. It, it it is bonkers, and what what's also complex, and I I kind of picked this up in the book a little bit is that so just a I. I don't. I I know. I already said I don't want to slam Christianity, and I'm I just going to keep repeating that. It's just something that uh, it's it's just a faith structure that a lot of people are familiar with. Um, and so, if you think of Christianity and you think of all the different sects of Christianity, and some people believe this about what it means to be a Christian, and some people believe that about that what it means to be a Christian. Um, reptilian is essentially the same. Like there are so many different interpretations of, um, what it, what a reptilian is that it's easier to just say reptilian and be like, yeah, you know, they kind of believe this. So when we talk about reptilian, one thing that everybody who believes in reptilians believes is that there are people who are not human and they are possessed by or inhabited by literal reptiles. Now, some people think these reptiles are aliens. Um, Some people think these reptiles are prehistoric beings. Some people think these reptiles are ancient gods. Sherry and her people believe that these reptiles were um, demons. So as briefly as I can, after the devil got kicked out of heaven, he didn't go directly to hell. He stopped at earth and he and his minions kind of uh, mated with animals and humans and all sorts of things. And they created what's called the serpent seed line. And the serpent seed line, again, this is briefly explained, um, is are just descendants of the devil or one of his generals, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and this is I, recently there was a, a, a Christian surf school instructor who killed his two children. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> he took yeah. them to Mexico or something. Yes, and he knew he was killing them, and he knew that people would blame him for that. Uh, but he also believed that you know, his wife was a member of the Serpent Seed Line and that he was saving the earth by killing his children. You know, you think about, if you go back 20 years... And think about some of these cases where somebody killed his family. It was to save them, not from being a reptile, but he lost the farm. Right. He was unemployed. So it's like, I, I just have to believe that the root cause is the same. It's just being manifested in a much more bizarre way now that we live in this bizarre culture. I was having this discussion with my wife, and I'm trying to, if I have a mission on this planet, it's to get people to try and think about this in a more serious way. Um, The only way I was able to write the book was to accept that they genuinely believed what they said they believed because on the face of it, no one could really believe it, but that's just not true because they did. And so we were, we were talking about um, vaccination, which is a, which is a big issue now. (laughs) I I don't know if you've seen the news. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) And, 
So I believe that the vaccination works. I believe that it is something that will help keep more people alive and maybe maybe help to maybe help to save save the species or help to at least, you know, make it. Uh, I don't know, make it keep going on. I can't think of the word. Sure. Um, and so one of the things that I do and I'm, I don't like to harp about it, but I do want to try to convince people for their own good that they should get vaccinated. And I believe this all the way down to my shoes. Um, that isn't a different belief than I believe that the devil is here and I need to do something to save everybody else from the devil because they clearly don't see that the devil is here and I have to do whatever it takes to reveal that the devil is here. And when you think about it in those terms, when you think about how we're all driven by our beliefs and how that brings conflict in our lives with people who don't see the world in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, you're not going to convince me that, you know, that the vaccine, that the, that the vaccine is dangerous and that reptiles are real. But you can convince me that you believe that only because of how deep, deeply I believe that the vaccine isn't dangerous and vec and reptiles aren't reptilians aren't real. I was having this conversation with someone last night myself. You know, <laughs> I figure if you can't, if we as the vaccinated people who trust the science, at least in this one particular case, can't convince people that it's the right good thing to do and it's a safe thing to do to get vaccinated. That says a lot about us. You know, it also says something about the culture. I wouldn't take all the blame, but it seems like people on this side of the fence, whatever fence that is, it's incumbent upon us to make the case properly. You know, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, so I'm demographically probably similar to where Sherry Schreiner was. And um, I just see a lot of the like pushback against anti-vaxxers as being classist, you know, and based in like we're in the city and we're smart and you're rural right. and you're dumb. Yeah. And, and that is bumping up against the two the two things that I think are at the root of most, if not all of this. And first is there's this kind of I'll call it a myth of America of American individualism. You know, this this idea that the country was founded so that we could do whatever we want whenever we want to do it. Right. And this other myth that, you know, and it's a that you get to believe whatever you want to believe, you know, um, and this is what makes religion such a, such a central topic for me. I mean, we have spent in this country the last 400 ish years uh, on this continent, I guess, right. The last 400 ish years, um, saying that you can believe whatever you want to believe. And that is okay. You know, not that's acceptable, but that is okay. It's your it's your right to believe whatever you want to believe. And so over the last 50 years, you know, we have just allowed the religious divide. Before I um before I before I wrote this book, I I I was a beer writer. I I've I I wrote about beer for for like a decade, and one of the really interesting things about beer is prohibition, and you know prohibition was 
a you know setting aside that there were there were uh, societal ills from drinking and the alcohol industry was unchecked and behaving badly but it was a religious movement to to ban alcohol and it it and it was this idea that we're going to use our beliefs to restrict your freedom and that was the first time there was a political movement that used religious belief to restrict freedom and it worked and once it worked it was never going to stop working so the idea of a wedge issue is tied directly to prohibition um if yeah and if your listeners don't know a wedge issue is when a bunch of people get together and they say if you're if you're not anti-abortion, we will not get you elected. Like you have to be strong anti-abortion or we're not electing you, or you have to be strong pro-choice or we're not electing you. And picking politicians off one district at a time based on one single issue. Like you could be, you know, you could be pro-gun, you could be pro-whatever, but if you're not on board with us on this one issue, we're going to find someone who is, and we're going to give them your job. And this is the natural extension of that. Yeah. I mean, you just described American politics in a nutshell and, you know, circa the last 40 years, at least 30 years back to Sherry Schreiner. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's quite all right. What else was she preaching? So she's living in a trailer in rural Ohio. She's has this doomsday end of the world message. How did she get, how did she kind of stumble upon that message and how did it become a ministry? Well, Sherry, Sherry was a a genius at co-opting other people's beliefs and making them her own. Um, the, the, the main thing that she did was to popularize, a Christian version of orgone um, and orgone. When you think of new age crystals, that's essentially orgone um, energy. Uh, the crystals generate this energy, which is completely made up. Um, and she was in touch with this man of the Pacific Northwest who was not a religious person, but believed he was a new ager. He believed in orgone energy and he had this kind of group this, you know, worldwide group of people that would make, um, orgone pucks, um, which, uh, Sherry eventually made out of cupcake, uh, tins, just to give you a sense of the shape of them. They were just these crystal blobs. They weren't like the pretty, um, what you call pyramids that you think of when you think of new age crystals. These are just blobs. Um, but he convinced people that they could either buy it from him or make their own. His name was Don Croft. Uh, They could either buy it for him or make their own, and they could spread it around. So they'd put it by um, towers, uh, cell phone towers, uh, radio towers, you know, to, to filter out all the bad energy. And Sherry reached out to him and she said, hey, I've got a bunch of followers off this Bible code thing that I've been doing. Um, Because the Bible code was her first kind of entry. And she had a I think she had about 10,000 people on her Yahoo groups um, following her 
talk about just the Bible codes. But then she added this idea that orgone was a gift from God and that people should, as a way of worshiping and as a way of fighting the devil, put this orgone every place they could. Um, and that was essentially Don Croft's idea. So she tried to partner with him and he's like, well, no, you're a religious kook and I'm not, I don't want anything to do with you. And so she went on the attack and she attacked him and his wife and said that they were, you know, that they were witches and that they were working for their devil and that their orgone was actually spreading negative orgone energy as opposed to positive orgone energy. And, you know, it, I, I can't, exp I can explain it, but it doesn't matter because it's made up, you know, right, right. and it's easy to get lost in, in the, in the minutia of it. But the larger point was she gave people who were, you know, living their lives almost exclusively online. She gave people something to do, a way to get out of the house, a way to fight the devil and a way to feel like they're part of something bigger. So between the Orgone and the Bible code, she was really hitting just a perfect niche at a perfect time. Um, and after the, you know, after the, after the towers fell, uh, that's when she was really, you know, super active because, um, people, you know, were scared and they were looking for answers. And the word was that the world would end 10 years after the, uh, World Trade Center, the 9-11 attacks. And it didn't. Um, and people were mad. And people were mad because their preachers had all been telling them the world is going to end. And that's Sherry's audience were people who were already pretty far right religious. Um, but they were like I like to put in air quotes, you know, normal religions. You know, they were like Baptists or Seventh Day Adventists. They they belonged to churches with names. They weren't merely evangelicals or only evangelicals. Um, but there were also evangelicals among them. And people were just leaving their churches and needing someplace else to go. And Sherry was there for them. And they, you know, again, they worshipped her for it. Yeah. And um, is there any way to quantify? You said she had 10,000 followers on Yahoo groups. Is that was that the right number? Or yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, is there any way of like quantifying? Do you have a sense of like who her like hardcore followers were? The people that like went on these trips to throw orgone around or met her or met up with each other? Well, the number of people that met her is really small, like fewer than 20, um, possibly fewer than 10. You know, she operated exclusively online or almost exclusively online, but they also did meet up with one another. You know, they would have, I, I believe that, uh, Steve, uh, and Barbara, Stephen, who was murdered and Barbara, I'm sorry, Stephen, who was killed and Barbara, who was convicted of killing him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I believe met, met through Sherry Shriner, or at least that's what they, that's what they claim. So there was some, like satellite communities, mm -hmm. but there was no there was no centralized community, except online. Yeah, and so there was kind of a a level, or you know, kind of an 
inner circle, it sounded like, of people who were, Sherry said, were, were angels or literal angels or something. Yes. I can't remember the term. Could you... Angels in the flesh. Okay. Yeah. What was that? Like, who were those people and what, what did that mean exactly? Well, that was something that Sherry or one of her um, inner circle um, would bestow on favored followers. Um, and if you think of the serpent seed line as the descendants of devils, then you can think of angels in the flesh as the descendants of angels who also came to earth at one point and started having human children. Um, so your soul is angelic and it gets recycled, um, in a very kind of, um, reincarnation way. You know, there always have to be these angel warriors on the planet to be here when the devil shows up with his army. Like this is, this is, these people believe they were actual soldiers in the actual army of actual God with the capital G, you know? Um, And so if you were an angel in the flesh, that just meant that you were, you weren't, fully human. You were more than human. You were an an actual angel with human parents. How did, how did Shelly get by? How was she making money? Did she make money off this grift? Yes. Yeah. So there was, there, I mean, she took donations like any, like any, um, preacher would, and she asked for donations, um, all the time. I didn't, you know, I, I got to this. So spoilers, I'm sorry. I know you're not finished with the book. Um, but it's poor. It's, 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 it's not a super secret spoiler, but Sherry Shriner is dead. She's, she was dead. She was dead when I got there. (laughs) So early reporting on her ministry, put her GoFundMe at like $125,000. And that was just one avenue because she had, you know, she had a PayPal, she had a Patreon, um, and she also solicited checks in the mail, like you could mail her a check and you could mail her a check and she could send you Orgone or you could mail her a check and she would make Orgone and send it to other people in areas that she deemed, you know, in danger of of psionic attack by the devil. So that's how she made most of her money. Um all of her money. Like she didn't work outside the house. Uh, by most reports, her husband uh, was not a great guy and also not much of a, a provider. Um, and so this was how she earned her living and she earned a pretty comfortable living. You know, we say trailer, but it's not the trailer you're thinking. You know, I sometimes they're called double wide. I, 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 increasingly, they're called uh, prefabs. That's the, you know. Um, you know, but she, she wasn't living in a one room trailer. She actually has a pretty extensive piece, had a pretty extensive piece of property up in, uh, up in Ohio there. And, uh, you know, more, more compoundy, like she could have had a cult on her property. She just did it. Uh, <laughs> and so, yes, yeah, so I, she was doing very well for herself and also crying poor at the same time, because you remember as a, as a religious figure, she doesn't have to pay taxes or anything on her uh, on her ministry related uh, income and expenses. So, did she have it together that much that she like registered as a nonprofit? Or I, I've got to say, as I was saying that sentence, I realized that I didn't know that. I always assumed it. 
Um, she never said that her donations to her were tax deductible. But again, I, only because you, you've also dealt with conspiracy uh, cults, you know, sending – it's not a joke. People send cash wrapped in aluminum foil. That's a that's a real thing they do. That's not that's not made up for being funny. You know, I several of the cults I've looked into, you know, one 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 in particular actually that's how they got caught. They just had too much cash to to they, they were getting so much cash in, you know, aluminum foil that, you know, they ended up they ended up, you know, blowing their scheme. Yeah, I think the IRS looks for uh, aluminum foil around the property. <laughs> if you have an excess of used aluminum foil, they'll, yeah. they'll audit you. <laughs> if you're going to the to the recycling uh, <laughs> too often, so um, so who were you know Kelly and and Stephen? So Kelly is the is I think the heart of my story because she she is an innocent person who Sherry whose death Sherry affected. I I can't say that Sherry killed her. Um, I do believe that Sherry drove her over the edge. Um, but she was this, she was this, uh, 20 year old. She, she committed suicide when she was 22 and, you know, she believed in Sherry and she believed in Orgone. Um, there's this great passage that she wrote about and I just kind of, you know, dressed it up a little bit. But one of the things they believe is that there's no such thing as mental illness, there's only demonic possession. And again, this is a com that's a common belief. That is not that's not a fringe belief. I mean, it should be, but there are lots of religions that believe that, you know, it's a form of demonic possession, mental illness. So she worked with in a drug and rehab place and she felt like everyone around her was a literal monster, like literally possessed by the devil and there to kill her. But when she put on her orgone pendant, um, she felt protected and she wasn't afraid anymore. And, you know, that's something that's just not sustainable. Like the placebo effect doesn't work that well. Like for, for a long-term illness, a placebo effect isn't going to help you if you're not also going to try to get healed. And so, um, she became convinced that, um, she was, an angel in the flesh, although she wasn't designated one by Sherry. Um, and she believed that she was responsible to help God by giving him the keys to hell so that he could, you know, kick off the war of Armageddon. Um, and she'd had a falling out with Sherry. And not long after, um, she went into a field and um, took a bunch of sleeping pills and overdosed. And this is in... Um, northern michigan and it's winter time it was in Jan january 2nd i think um and so there's no they don't know if she froze to death or if she died of an overdose um but i think and i think i make a pretty good case for it in the book i i and her friends and the people her family the people i spoke with um all kind of agree that she wasn't killing herself like she thought that she was going to either wake up in a new body or maybe wake up in her same body. Uh, but she thought that she was going on a, a prolonged astral trip, you know, um, 
And that's where it gets very, very, very sad because, I mean, it's, it's already tragic when someone commits suicide, but it's, I think even more tragic when they commit suicide, but they don't know it like that. No, because there, I, I'm, I think there was some fear. I think that she was afraid that she might be committing suicide. I think she was worried that she might be wrong. Um, but you know, not, not worried enough that she didn't try, you know, because again, think of the vaccine is just a good example. Cause it's current. Think of like what you would do if you knew that you could get everyone to take the vaccine, like what kind of sacrifices you might make, you know, but the rational part of your mind is saying there is no sac. I'm not going to throw myself off a building in the belief that by the time I land like that, everyone will be convinced to take the vaccine, right? But if you believed it that much, you know, I don't know if it's crazy. You know, I, I mean, we want to say it's crazy because it's weird, but I don't know if it's crazy. There are things I think that we all, you know, I mean, I, I can't see killing myself for, for any reason, but I mean, you know, pushing, you know, pushing someone off the train tracks, you know, you're like, I can push them off and probably not get killed. And then if you get killed, you got killed pushing them off the train tracks. So, you know, that's kind of heroic anyway. And that is really what we're talking about. And it was the same thing with Steven. Eventually he, his being cut off from Sherry drove him over the edge. Um, and, uh, and one night he and he and Barbara were very drunk and very stoned. Um, they were taking this drug called Kratom, which is like a off-brand marijuana kind of thing. Um, and, you know, he, he went into the house and I think Barbara maybe was breaking up with him. I think she was exhausted from the, uh, from the fight with Sherry. I think she was, she was 10 years older than him. I think, I think, he was being very childish in her eyes and um you know he put a gun in her hand and he held the gun as well and he put the gun they put the gun to his head and the gun went off um and i think i allude to it in the book and you know i don't think it's a i don't think it's oblique but it's also not spelled right out but i think that steven also thought that he was going to go to a different plane i don't think he thought he was going to die i don't think barbara wanted to kill him um but that's that's what happened there's definitely some kind of like delusion or some kind of like beliefs that are feeding into like these really irrational ideas like i'm going to go to sleep in the middle of winter in the woods in michigan and go to heaven and fight some battle but you know sherry's playing into these beliefs and i believe she also turned against both kelly and steven at some point yes which that was also a factor so it's so sherry's kind of the connective tissue between these two tragedies did she ever face any legal repercussions or any kind of repercussions at all no, no. When Sherry, when, when Kelly killed herself, um, Sherry just, that was, that was really the beginning of that kind of launched her. Mm -hmm. Um, she got a lot of traction out of that because, you know, what she said was that Sherry, that was that Kelly was killed by a NATO hit squad because, um, because of her loyalty to Sherry. 
And then she went even further and said that Sherry was killed by her mother and her brother, who then dragged her out to the woods and made it look like a suicide. And people believed that because Sherry was always under attack. And that's this that's this other thing going back to feeling important. Like if your pre preacher is constantly under personal attack from the devil, then they must be doing something right. The devil must be afraid of them. And so your association with them makes you, you know, makes you a threat to the devil as well. And what Sherry would do is she would use ostracizing as a way of proving how important she was to the devil. So she would constantly find different, um, different members, like members who were donating members who, you know, you would think were her friends if she were to have such a thing as friends. And she would just kick them out. She would say, I just discovered that in one case, there's this guy, Richard Brown. I just discovered that Richard Brown is a reptilian who's working for the FBI and, you know, and he's out. Right. And this, these are people whose only thing is Sherry. They go to work and then they come home and get online and, participate in this war against the devil and to have that cut off. You know, I spoke with several members um, who, you know, to to be cut off from that is very, very hard. Um, it's not different than, you know, you get home for Thanksgiving and your family is like, you're not welcome here. And you don't know why. Like, it's not like you've had a problem with your family or whatever. You're like, oh, it's Thanksgiving. I'm going home. And they beat you at the door and they say, you're not welcome here. We can't believe that you've been spying on us all this time. Go away and never darken our door again. You know, and if that really happens to you, like, how does that feel? Like, set aside the whys of it, just the the getting kicked out of a family is you know, is hard. And especially most of these people, many, if not most had already gotten kicked out of their own families over Sherry, you know, because if someone said, well, Sherry's a kook, then they would just not associate with them anymore. So these are people who chose Sherry over their family and then their family and then Sherry kicked them out and then they have no one, you know, they, they have no one at all except their own loneliness, you know, yeah, and and that's so common. It's such it's a control tactic. I don't know if Sherry was aware that that's what she was doing. To the kind of people who do it, it probably just feels right. I'm sure it comes naturally. So so what happened to Sherry Schreiner? Uh, Sherry had a heart attack and died. She was uh, obese. She was she was very overweight. She was a smoker. Um, she didn't have a great diet. And, um, she'd had several heart attacks and then one night she just had a heart attack and died. It was, um, the, the saddest part to me is that, you know, she died after, so Stephen, Stephen died in July, I want to say of 2017, but now it's getting foggy to me, but let's say 2017 and, um, the prosecutor's office actually was they were going to see, you know, to interview Sherry. That was a plan for early in the new year. Um, and uh, and Sherry died before that. So, you know, 
I don't know if this I don't know if the stress of this final prosecution had anything to do with it. I do know that for the first six months of me researching it, I thought that she wasn't dead. And that's and it's so easy to believe, you know, that, well, yeah, the cops were coming down on her and she said that, you know, God is going to take me. Um, You know, she didn't have an obituary. She didn't have, you know, uh, a published funeral. Um, the only evidence that she was dead was that her webpage said she was dead and nobody had ever seen her. And that's just so enticing. Uh, but then, you know, I bought her, I bought a copy of her death certificate from Ohio and yeah, no, she's dead. <laughs> and what about, uh, Sherry Shriner's remaining followers? Are they still around? Are they still active? The infighting is increasing, um, the uh, the Trump administration actually was is a factor because Sherry was anti-Trump for the longest time because he was, you know, he was a famous person and that made him a reptile. But as he was having his run up toward this presidency, people wouldn't hear a bad word about him. Her followers like her followers who believed everything she said you know, we're pushing back about the Trump thing. And she got wise to that. So then she became a more of a proponent of Trump. She said that he wasn't actually a reptile. He was, you know, more of a placeholder and that, you know, he was going to do what he could uh, for God, but that, you know, the devil was eventually going to have his way, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and now there's this argument among her followers about whether or not Trump really is a reptile and whether he's, you know, what kind of function he plays in in the end of the world. And this disagreement has driven some pretty, pretty deep wedges. So they're still, you know, they're still updating Sherry's website with her prophecy, but several of the key people have kind of gone out on their own because Sherry's replacement isn't as strong as she was. So we'll see. 